0: This episode of the Thai Capital Millionaire podcast was brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socio-economic solutions that Black Americans can implement in their communities today, whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth. Black America Inc. is what Black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we've been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America, Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America, Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre
1: C. Hatchett, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Own, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America, on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow, to build wealth in this country, pick it up, Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America.
0: Welcome to the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oakley III, a.k.a. Todd Millionaire. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast, episode 29. My name is Charles Oakley, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has 156 members. Also the founder of Todd Acquisitions and Todd Ventures, which is our crowdfunded venture capital firm. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can see that business and generational wealth are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. Today we have with us Mr. Will Roundtree. Um, He's the owner of a few different businesses. I'll let him kind of give himself a better explanation and introduction. But um, with that, I want to welcome Mr. Roundtree to the show. Welcome, man. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Will Roundtree, originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, born and raised there. Graduated high school in Mississippi, so that was definitely a culture shock. Uh, after graduation, the day of graduation, I went back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I was a, you know, the city boy. <laughs> you know through uh, the winter. In around 2003, I got laid off from a job that I had been working yeah, pretty much all through college, making very good money. But uh in two thousand three I got introduced to entrepreneurship. So uh fast forward that job ended up closing down. Like I say got involved with entrepreneurship and I uh, had an opportunity to kinda of cast my neck and wanted to move out of the walk. And so I ended up uh relocating to Las Vegas, Nevada. So two thousand and five until present apparently when you got in from Las Vegas, Nevada.
0: Cool. So you said you got introduced to entrepreneurship, can you tell us a little bit about what transitioned to you into the entrepreneurship realm?
1: Absolutely, so um, I got introduced uh, at the time my sister who was in college and both of my parents were always entrepreneurs, you know, they owned own real estate, uh, they uh, also uh, did, uh, uh, sold health insurance, mm-hmm. uh, excuse me, life insurance at the time. The company was called A. O. Williams, which most people know it today in Pine America. And they actually achieved some, you know, pretty, you know, uh, milestone success uh, achievements within that company. They were the vice president. And so they always told me, you know, you know, growing up, Will, you want to have multiple streams of income. And so I never was really into the whole life insurance thing, maybe because I was so young at the time. But then, you know, my sister got introduced by a way through my parents to a company by the name of Prepaid Legal, which today is called Legal Shield. And so um, this was right around the time when I knew my job was going to be closing down. So I happened to be at my parents' house, you know, uh, anyone who's in network marketing or dealt with it or have been invited to a meeting. I would say, you know, I was kind of tricked into the meeting. (laughs) My sister was like, hey, big bro, can you come? To this meeting with me, and, and come just so that you can give me your opinion of what you think about the company. <laughs> and so I, I ended up going. I had on a do rag, some Timberlands, some baggy jeans. You know how you know people dressed back in you know early 2000s. And so I'm in the meeting, and I remember going with just this negative mindset. And I can remember now, mind you, I knew my job was shutting down, didn't really have much money at the time, and the speaker at the front of the room looked at me. And said, Hey, yo, brother, you want to get a pencil and paper to write with? And I was like, No, I'm good. I'm just here supporting my sister. And I remember having my arms crossed. He was like, Man, you look real cool. But did you know, man, being cool would keep you broke? Mm. And there was something about that statement that really opened me up and all of like, And you know what? Let me let me take some notes Mm in (laughs) here. And so I ended up taking notes. I really like not necessarily the presentation itself, but I like what they were talking about as far as service in the community, you know, the whole, you know, spiel of what, you know, prepaid legal was at the time just to be able to have affordable access to, you know, uh legal uh uh, information. But what really attracted me to the prepaid legal at that time when it was a room full of young kings and queens and they were all my age mm-hmm. and they all looked like me you know whether they were you know educators whether they were coming off the blocks whether, you know just everybody in there and i felt comfortable and so that's what kind of opened me up to at least taking a look at it and it was so affordable to join i was like you know what if i lose this 50 bucks i'll chalk it up i waste more than that on a weekend one Mm out, And so I ended up signing up and what changed my perception and what introduced me to the realm of entrepreneurship is the byproduct of prepaid legal was the legal services, but their real product was personal development. And Mm -hmm. that really is what opened my mind up and changed me about entrepreneurship. Because to be an entrepreneur, or I should say to be a successful entrepreneur, personal development has to be in a repertoire because if your mindset isn't right i don't care what you attempt to do in life you Mm -hmm. will not succeed because you will have obstacles roadblocks and be sleepless nights and a thousand no's to one yes so so yeah so the personal development was you know the catalyst to
0: introducing me to to entrepreneurship nice that's cool um I, I got a lot out of that. I kind of want to ask you, where did where did your career kind of go from there? That's where I'll go with that. So um, you went to the, like, at that point, you went to the meeting, um, you met the, the gentleman, and then did you start with the company? Did you start with a different company? Like, where did your career go from, from that day? Yeah, so I signed up with the
1: prepaid people at the time, um, and I actually took the board by the horn, as they say, because I, I had no option. My company had just laid me off after being there for seven and a half years i was 22 years old making 50 60 a year no kids you know very few responsibilities that was good in my eyes mm-hmm. so i was like you know what i don't really want to work for anybody because at this company who's been in business for 75 plus years and the staples and the company forever closing down this probably can happen to me. <laughs> you know so because yeah, so i jumped in uh really you know, kind of learned everything about prepaid music. And I was able to hit one of the top positions in the company within five months. They call it executive, pre- executive, uh, it executive director. And so within five months to that position, I was actually able to get some kind of national you notoriety. Know, uh, was able to kind of tour and, you know, do different, you know, minor speaking engagements, started getting requests for people to, for me to mentor them. Uh, so I built a very, you know, in the realm of a, a network marketing, small organization <clears throat> in a two year time span. Uh, probably about 513 people across the country. And so, uh, you know, one of the things I quickly learned about entrepreneurship is that you have to be diligent. And the one thing I learned about network marketing is that there's something called chargeback. So that kind of, got me out of the realm, that I wasn't drinking complete anymore. And But the thing I'm going to say, I took away from it, like, a, like I mentioned, power, that's, it sort of how I got to it, so it was a personal development. So after, uh, I, well, that's actually also too how I ended up in Las Vegas. So we have our national conventions out here, because I joined the pre-paste, like say around 2003, and my first convention in 2005. So we came to the convention, my mentor, who introduced me, to world, kind of cultivated me in the, in the business. So I was like, you know, we have t—there's a, a wide opportunity in Las Vegas for us to start a team, to build a team. Do you mind going out there kind of head and away the way? Us. So I gladly accepted. Not the time, no kids, we're them the whole time. So I moved to Las Vegas, October fifth, two thousand and five. One, you know, on a one-way ticket, uh, had, you know, a uh, uh, box with some belongings, uh, you know, a couple hundred bucks to my name, and a bag of clothes, and I barely came out to Las Vegas with, as can say, a dollar on the train, That <laughs> kind of fast-forwarding how I
0: ended up uh, in the Las Vegas. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about personal development. Um, it seemed like that was very important, and I agree. And I mean, especially with the mindset aspect. So, what are some things that you've kind of taken and developed as you've become the professional that you are today?
1: Um, so, one of the very first books that was introduced to me and the thing in pre legal, they actually kind of not necessarily take force, but they heavily encouraged to make sure that we were reading. We would actually have book parties. Wow. Around the other and, and, and really kind of. Make sure we're diving in on books, and so one of the first books I was introduced to the the train, was *How to Win Friends and People* by Dale Carnegie.
2: Mm-hmm. And the book is so impactful
1: because at the time I was more—I was an introvert, which, to a certain degree, I feel still feel like now when it comes to business. But the things that I really took away from *How to People*. And anything that you do, especially in your business, you have to understand how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. Not only dealing with people, but their personality. And so how do we take them to a people graphically talking about that and understanding that I think the number one reason why a lot of people can go into sales or a form of sales, and in my opinion I think no matter what you do, you're in a form of sales. Mm -hmm people don't know how to interact with people and they're trying to sell from an advantage standpoint to what's going to benefit them as opposed to what's going to benefit your client so just learning about different principles like that uh another book I was introduced to was uh uh thinking mm-hmm. which you know i say that book should be that, that should be the bible that, that's the bible of entrepreneurship in my personal opinion by the whole video and one thing that stands out to me is you're rich which is why another reason i think a lot of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs uh don't succeed in business is they say the only reason people in business is one about their friends family and relatives mm-hmm. and when i read that i didn't understand it at the time but i quickly learned because you go into business with aspirations and thinking, Hey, I have a viable product, I have a viable service, everyone needs this. Why haven't my friends relative relatives young fields. And I quickly learned that's usually not the case. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's not that way because they remember you when you were a knucklehead here in the high school. They yeah. you don't know, remember you as a a businessman. They remember you when you were on the street corner. Customer, they never knew you in a the class, they never the, you know, chasing women or chasing guys or whatever your form life is. And so that's why another person doesn't have to be, you know, uh, kind of a foundation of business because you have to change the perception of yourself or other people mm-hmm. so you can take it
0: seriously. Wow. So, that's so true. It's funny because I say the same thing. It's like, I've gotten all these degrees and i have this conversation with somebody. And I'm like, hey, like I'm still this person. And they're like, well, I know you. And I used to, I used to wipe your nose. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, you pay a- <laughs> So, um, I think another thing that you said that's really important in regards to um, selling a product. And I, I, this is something I've learned. is like, you can't create a business and expect your friends and family to be your, your first customers. It's like you have to kind of, the way I've seen success is like creating that product for the market. And if your friends and family support, that's even better. But your success or failure is not dependent upon your friends and family getting behind it and supporting it. That's just the icing on the cake. I I
1: think when you eliminate that expectation,
0: the pressure is off of you. Yep, yep. So let's talk about credit. I know credit is one of your biggest focuses. Um, I haven't gotten anybody on here that kind of was a specialist in credit, but I really wanted to get somebody who can talk about that on here because it's like a huge part. I know Jay Morrison talks about it a lot. Um, so can you kind of give us the whole like 5,000 foot overview of what you do in regards to credit?
1: Right before I moved to Las Vegas, I actually had a, um, a mentor. And if you notice, I've I, I had various mentors in a lot of different industries. And I think that was another kind of flagship of what helped me along the way. And I was I not in care. Mm-hmm. So I had a mentor who was a successful real estate attorney at the time. And this was around 2004, 2005. He said, well, eventually credit will become a dollar. So what I did was I took it upon myself to really start learning and understanding what is this credit thing. So we've we got an internet cafe out here by the UNLV campus. So for $5, you can go in there Literally, literally sit on the end of for about $4, 5 $6 or whatever. So I was going there, to get on to learn about credit. I would go to the library to get books about credit. And so I started adopting some of the principles that I was doing. Things in my life kind of led me to so I ended up working for a law firm that did credit repairs. Mm. And I was a paralegal. So from that standpoint, I actually got to see the backside or the law mm. and build some credit. Yeah. So while I was there, the company, the law firm ended up doing some budget cuts, so they got rid of me. And then, uh, nearly by coincidence, I ended up taking a job at a collection agency. Now, one thing I will say, collection agency is probably one of the most cut comfortable jobs <laughs> that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing I learned, they give you dummy names Mm. at these collection agencies. And the reason they do that is because when a collection agency reaches out to you or they send you mail, what do they have on there? They have their return address. Mm -hmm. So for protection of the employees, the last thing they want is an irate customer coming up. To that location and calling a person out by name, mm-hmm. and then able to find so and so because you know you called me harassing me trying to collect the debt. So they would give us dummy names and they would figure out any type of line to you know pretty much a shame you into paying that debt <laughs> because collection because collection agencies are paid on commission. All they care about was the bottom line and mm-hmm. not collecting what you owe them. So I got a chance to see the backside of how to deal with collection agencies mm-hmm. learning about the law and they're actually heavily regulated. It's just that consumers we don't enforce it mm-hmm. because we get scared when that collector calls us. So <laughs> when I'm talking with my client, I'm able to engage in the love and let them know, but can and cannot correspond when dealing with these collection agencies. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to take the phone calls. So I, I, I say all of that to say my journey has kind of led me to where credit the business of credit kind of fell in my lap because after I left the collection agency, I learned some things that the law firm of the paralegal, I ended my retirement I had already fixed my own personal credit was they a buy what to me at the time was a good deal uh, And so I was like, hmm, you know what, if I could do this, I'm pretty sure other people could. So I started, you know, practicing on my, my media family you know, those who would gonna allow me to. Mm. And that's another thing in business either. You can do something for free for family and still won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole I mean, uh, podcast. So, um, so yeah, so I really started learning the ins and outs about credit. And so as I think that you could literally, you know, help people in in the byproduct and making some additional income. And at the time one of the books I was reading, an author by the name of Jim Bone said you know, your check is a direct reflection of the amount of people you help know, in the market mm-hmm. So, when I got into the credit aspect from a business standpoint, my motivation was not the foot, because I knew, look, if I help enough people get the base I'd be fixing their credit, so you know, be able to purchase a home or whatever, I be, I would indirectly, I would be blessed, whether it's, you know, financially, or open up more opportunities, so I so what I did was I said, you know what, I wanna take this to the next level. So then I started running on business. <laughs> and so the reason I preference that is because I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs become the business not knowing about business. Hmm. Just because a person can cook don't mean they can run a restaurant. Mm-hmm.
2: Which
1: is why I think restaurants have the highest uh of closure and them. I percent some of them don't make it. Yeah. So I have to learn about business before I can go into business. So uh, so yeah, so that I started researching about business, understanding taxes, imports of course, uh, you know, proper um, you know, protection, setting of LLC, all of the the great stuff that a lot of people don't want to go into. They you know they just wanna immediately go in and start making money. So set up my first credit peer business twenty twelve, built uh second time around I'm like, you know, let's try this again. So I tried and I ended up running business with the partner at the time. Mm-hmm. But the partner and I shared different business. He was more money motivated. Mm-hmm. I was more hey, but actually build a solid foundation. So the company ended up shutting down. It was his company, I went in, I came on as a apartment. So now I was like, you know what? Why do I feel like last on an apartment? Doing myself that way, I can build it the way my vision, you know, seems to So, I started my uh, company around 2014, and I've been operating, and every year, year over year, it's grown, and traditionally, I was, a, I tell you, beyond my dreams. And it led me to open up many doors to, you know, become a real estate investor, partner with the Jake Morrison Academy. I mean it literally opened up a lot of different people and other different,
0: you know, business, you know, endeavors that I'm involved in right now, all because of credit. So, um, in that story you said that you were more focused on the people and he was more focused on the money. How did you kind of grow? Because I think a lot of people, when they go into business, they go into business looking for money, not necessarily go, going to kind of solve a problem or help people. So, how did you monetize helping people? Uh, so, going back
1: to like I mentioned with the quote by Jim Hone, you help people do what they want, you know, automate people what you want. So, uh, and, and, and having that kind of ingrained in, and again, these are all principles I learned from Network marketing. Mm hmm a great philosopher John Rowling quote. So one of the things that I learned in dealing with, you know, uh in any form of sales, everybody loves to buy when they have a pain point. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people's pain point, and how I, I yeah my credit repair business was a little bit different. So I'll give you an example. I used to do a bunch of advertising and the type of clientele I was getting usually didn't give me the return on investment mm-hmm. but I changed my model and said look, I went on to go after people did, they actually need the services. I did. I started working and partnering with realtors loan officers, uh. dealerships, et cetera, et cetera. So you have a client who's trying to purchase a home and they get denied what is their paying point? they want to be able to purchase the house yeah. and if I can help them Get in position to purchase the house. So I took the factor of, hey, let me just sell this client for credit repair just to fix the credit just because the charges make on the fee. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I want to start helping people achieve what they want to achieve. Because, again, the money will just be the byproduct. Again, I took it at another level and like, I was starting to notice look, there's a lot of people that do credit repair. One, they don't really know much about credit themselves that I need. Sixty percent of people who get their credit repaired end up right back in the same scenario mm-hmm. when they don't get educated. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know what? I'm gonna put a different spin on mine, and my focus is gonna be credit education. So I never taught as well to credit repair. So when people sit down with me and say, "Okay, tell me your services," first thing I say is, "I'm not here to tell you anything, mm-hmm. but let, let me find out what are your credit goals, what your expectations are, and let me see if." What we do is a mirror or a marriage for what you're trying to accomplish. I like that. So, my focus has always kind of been more so: okay, let me find your pain point and let's address
0: that. That's. I like that. It's you, you found a strategy, you work the strategy. That makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. So, in regard to um, in regard to credit, what are some things that people don't know that you think they should know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of the most common ones, usually, you know, some of the questions I get uh you know pretty much every week i was out so uh one is most people think let's say you have a couple and they're planning on getting married they assume that if one party has good credit one has bad once they get married the credit file will linked and merge, and that is 100% false. uh as long as the two individuals never become co borrowers mm. the spouses can have their own total separate credit profile and they can never blend okay. uh, I think the number one misconception is that you can't repair your credit mm. uh, one of the things that I, I quickly seen and I always educate my clients and students on this there are people in positions very prestigious positions at banks at dealerships at financial institutions offices that know something about credit Hmm. and you would think that they do because they're the ones that are making decisions on some of the financial decisions that we make as consumers so i think something that a lot of people i want to i want people to understand and what i'm trying to articulate is that man whenever i'm dealing with the clients they usually are going to leave out more more than the people that they got to go and do business with to be able to get approved or something so don't feel intimidated by the individuals, or as I call it, a suit to positions. Mm-hmm. So That's probably another misconception. Uh, and then I don't want to one, except another one is you can't prepare the stolen credit. There are actually laws in the Fair credit Reporting act that gives us rights as consumers to be able to dispute anything we put in negatively. Mm-hmm. So when done ethically and accurately, it's not that we dispute saying, hey, it's not yours. You've never been late. We dispute in a sense that's saying, okay, you know, you're saying Will owes $500, two hundred and thirty-three cents. We need you to show us proof that he that dollar amount down for the penny. Mm. Because what happens when a debt is bought by collection agency? It's changing hands multiple times. They're adding their feet on top. I mean, it's just one big shell, game three card money except for which are debt. Mm-hmm. And so uh, once, you know, you finally settle and demand with a collection agencies it it's up to them to, to prove to you that they're recording the information accurately. And if they can't, no matter how much the dollar's are on it, they have to delete it off the record.
2: Wow. And so that's why I'm a big believer in becoming an expert at hiring experts.
1: Most people outside of the realm of credit, they don't know the credit laws. Mm. Mm-hmm. How to leverage something to your advantage, of course, you're going to get unfavorable results, which is why I think a lot of people say, Oh, we got to work. That's because they tried to do on their own and they got lackluster results. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, so those are some of the misconceptions. You uh, can rebuild your credit quickly, you know. of course
0: themselves on how to properly work that. Nice. Very cool. So a lot of people are, are familiar with personal credit, but I wanted to talk about business credit. Um, what's the difference between business credit and personal credit, and how does somebody establish business credit?
1: So the difference is, for so, one, as two separate entities, one means you as an individual is an entity. Then you have your company being an entity. In the sense, you don't wanna co-mingle the credit profile and that's the first thing. So with your personal credit, there are certain things that your personal credit affords you and leverages you to do, or to be able to do, i.e. buy a home, buy a car, you know, establish certain lines of credit. With business credit, it allows you to keep that completely separate from your company to one, establish a business credit profile, but then, more importantly, in the event, if something was to happen with your company, there's less of a recourse to affect you personally in the event that you have to default, dissolve, or bankrupt your company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a strategy that the wealthy have been using for years, where more traditional average consumers don't understand the power of taking a point. When Donald Trump, when you're 50, your you or know, high-profile celebrity filed bankruptcy, some, a lot of the times it's their company that now bankruptcy, hence not affecting their personal assets. Mm-hmm. So let's put this from a real estate investment standpoint. The number one reason people, I recommend people having entities for their residential, excuse me, for their real estate investment properties. In the event someone slips and falls inside your property and it's under your personal name, they can attack you and come after everything personally if it's under the entity they can only come after that company the same thing works when it comes to debt as you begin to develop and build up your business credit profile and help you go after to get more business credit In the event god forbid something happens, happen and you know it can minimize the liability from you personally That's what they call a non-recourse credit mm-hmm. non-recourse debt now Granted, more and more banks are getting away from strictly known request credit, mainly because of the amount of fraud in that space. Mm. So now, how you build up a business credit profile is almost comparable to how you build a personal credit profile. Like I tell people, it's not about the score, and if you notice, I'm using the word profile because it's about building the credit profile strong enough to where it can stand on its own to be able to go out there and get a to get approvals from banks. And so on uh, the personal side, we actually have a, a checklist of what banks are looking at from a personal standpoint. And then we have a, a business compliance checklist to let small businesses know what banks look at from a business standpoint. Because one of the things that I'm noticing in regards to small businesses when I talk Ninety percent of businesses are not in compliance. Mm. We're talking about companies that's been in business for ten plus years. And that's because there's so much redness around the whole business credit thing. As I, I these products out, and you know, we never want business credit. <laughs> one of the top reasons companies close is because they're undercapitalized. Mm-hmm. What we've been able to do is put together, you know, uh, a program to help startup companies to be able to get access to some capital. And and it is going to be a combination of personal and business credit because as a brand new entity, it's almost impossible to go out there and get in you know, a line of credit for $40,000, $200,000 when your company has not paid for dollars but there's companies out there that are going to sell it like that. So again, Sean comes back to the education piece. you got to start educating our consumers, which you want know, to be successful in the name of
0: the team Absolutely. So, so, you're, you have this uh, program called the Credit to the Cash program, Credit to Cash. So, what does that mean and how does that work?
1: Yeah, so Credit to Cash pretty much is a program that you know, I put together with helped me integrate it with my partner, Jay Morrison, and a bunch Jay Morrison Academy. It's a concept that's been around for a while, it's just not as prevalent within our communities, in the minority community. So, what I did was based on my own personal experiences. -hmm. Uh, And I'll kind of backtrack and let you know how I got there. So, I'm a fairly new real estate investor at the time, about two years ago. And I was like, man, I need to get a hold of some capital. And knowing, and anyone who's in real estate, they know banks hate loaning money to real estate investors. Hmm. That's the first thing. Two, as a brand new business, banks don't like giving money to a brand new company. (laughs) And thirdly, you know, we're sold this whole SBA funding. Well, less than 2% of businesses are ever approved for SBA funding. And if you, uh, and if they do accept your application, the process, you are going through this for about six to nine months, yet to still be denied. <laughs> and we're talking about after having an 810 credit score, my personal self, uh, I was denied for SBA funding. I said, you know what? I'm just going to apply for more credit cards. So when I started applying for more cars, wanted the credit, building up my business, because so I was get making and the credit, you so know, then, uh, I said, I wonder, can I get the money off the card and actually be able to do real estate deals? And so I was met with an issue, though, because I'm like, man, want the cash advance to only give you a certain percentage in the interest rate So what I did was, I, you know, and what a way to actually be able to get some of the actual capital off of the car so I was making a merchant fee and being able to be charged with a regular credit card merchant fee and so I was able to do my first deal like that mm-hmm. property in Cleveland, Ohio for $25,000 with the to property uh, and giving me an immediate return mm-hmm. and so so I was like man if I use this, I'm pretty sure other than Investors could also use this, and secondly, even real estate investors could use this because, as a real estate investor, eventually you grow my amount of money. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, you know what? Let you me know, try to start pushing this. So, basically, the whole credit to cash was kind of first from my own kind of, you know, aha moment, even though, like I say, it's been around for years. Again, this is what wealthy people do wealthy people don't use their own money, nope. they leverage credit. And the cat kind of got let out the bag when JP dropped it out and things were poor. You know, it, mm. that's what they do. So, the wow. credit to cash that's what he is successful here. build up your personal credit, build up your business credit profile, help you get access to more refined credit to be able to leverage to go into real estate deals. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason it's so successful is so, one, the reason I don't want business loans. And I portfolio bald in credit, this is the this is the reason. So let's say you got fifty thousand dollars in the in a loan and get that fifty thousand. But let's say you only need ten thousand of it. How much do you have to pay back again? You gotta pay back against the entire fifty mm-hmm. Now, let's say you're a brand new real estate investor or you're a flipper. We know most of the time your deals on flips so on far few and in between. But let's say it takes me six to eight months to do my first deal, right? Mm-hmm. But I got the money. I got to pay back that money from day one and then the thing I don't like about loans from banks you become a slave to the bank mm-hmm. because once you pay that loan off, guess what? You got to start that whole process over again. Hopefully you didn't get late payments or hopefully they can change their lending criteria for where now you go back and get the debt or if you, have, if you even get approved at all. The reason I like revolving credit Which is how wealthy people have understand how to leverage it. If you think about it, that's all banks do. When we deposit our money into the banks with it back, that's their line of credit to go out and do what? Mm -hmm. Invest. But now, we become our own bank by having access to reform and credit. So if you get $50,000 in reform and credit, it takes you six to eight months to find a deal. How much are you paying back again when that time is
0: No money. Nothing. Yep.
1: But the money is just sitting there. That's now, let's cool. say you only need ten thousand dollars of that revolving credit. How much are you paying back again? Ten thousand. Now let's say you do a quick flip for all the the entire fifty, you do a quick flip and you're able to pay the fifty dollars back. How much money do you have access to again now?
0: That whole amount.
1: It, the whole amount. So it becomes revolving demand. That's the power of revolving credit, which is why banks don't want to which is why banks don't push more credit to us. Mm-hmm. Think about it. When you have access to equity in your home, they're going to push uh, a refinance versus a home equity line of credit mm-hmm. because they're going to make more points on the uh, refinance yeah. versus the line of credit. you got access to capital that you can use for
0: whatever you That's huge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's what
1: i like you know, real estate the credit. So I'll give you another quick scenario on how I use it. So an example, all the property for twenty five K all right. The property is yielding me dollars a month in rent. Mm-hmm. Now, the property is worth I think it was like around fifty one. But take like a math we'll just say like fifty to make it something matter. Alright? So there are certain things when you put your property in the uh, under uh, LLCs, you can actually refinance with no seasoning requirement. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what that means, that means that the day I buy it, I can go and do a cash out refi and pull the equity out the very next day. So one of our banking partners that we use will give us up to 8% of the appraised value. So 80% of, uh, of $50,000 is 40K. So I get the 40K that I pulled out of the property. I paid 25000 for it. $25,000 along the back on my credit cards. My mortgage is thirty thousand 50000 including taxes and insurance such so a thing we fit. Mind you, I'm getting 890 a month on that property. I'm still making
0: Next round of questions had to do with real estate. You kind of told us how you got into your first deal. I wanted to know, um, I mean, assuming that you were still located in Vegas when you bought this property in Cleveland, how did you go about managing the property from a distance? Very good question.
1: So one of the things that you know we always talk about, especially at the James Academy, which I'm a credit master instructor, is at talk about having your eight. And, and having your A team in place, that's going to consist of you know, realtors, your contractors, your real estate attorney, your title companies. and I say the glue because your, your A team is property managers. You mm-hmm. have to have to have I have, to have your property management team because there's a the glue to everything. Even if I bought all my property in the city I resided in, I would have a property manager. Because mm-hmm. I'm busy. I'm running multiple different companies. Yep. been Working with you know, countless amount of clients across the country. I don't have time to hop on a plane and chase a tenant down. I don't have time to get in my car, drive them clear across time and then ask somebody, you know, what's up with your right? So having an excited property management team in place alleviates a lot of that. Two, any uh, minor repairs, maintenance. So you know, of course, in the to go what is snow. I'm not going to fly back out there just to it's snow. Usually the tenant isn't going to do it, but in these near-West cities, there's actually evidence that if it snows, you have 24 to 48 hours to show. You can walk away So, someone walks through here, they fall, they can see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, keeping the grass cut, you know, the, you know land and all of that. So, having that 18 is extremely important. And, you know, and a lot of it just came from Colorado able to get people in different stages just from networking, you know, going to different events, going to different and you know, and and not scared to ask people within my circle who they know. Mm -hmm. know, I think people would be very surprised at the uh, sphere of influence of people that they have a fixed degree of separation to just from the people that they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, granted, I could talk to my best friend and he may not be interested in nothing I'm doing but he may know somebody that knows somebody who's want the same way and then he ended up he ended up being the best business partner yep. so I think we just gotta open up and start getting out there and asking okay who's you know what you may not be interested but who
0: do yep. you know just getting out our comfort zone. Yep. so but yeah so having that 18 is very cool that's huge so I mean, what other tips do you have in regards to uh, real estate investing for people
1: Um, I think one the number one thing that I see a lot is that I think we don't value the importance of education and having someone, I say, as a coach or a mentor. And so when I do my workshop, I tell you the know "Has anyone ever heard of LeBron James. Of course, everyone raises their hand. <laughs> and I say, does he have a coach? the saying, yeah. Why? Why does the best player on the planet mm. have a coach? And of course, they issue a lot of their answers. I'm saying, okay, who in here is here because they want to be a real estate investor? In who in here is here because they want to become your credit savvy and understand credit to get active in the capital for the real estate investment? And okay, I said, who's your real estate coach? Who's your credit advisor coach? And I'm saying, they have a, they're called a look. Hmm. So." I say that if I had to get one piece of advice is, is seek out mentorship, find someone in those spaces who is successful. and Success doesn't necessarily just mean monetarily. And, 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 and really latch on and don't feel like you have to be made men or made women. You know, advice and seek help. I remember, I would go, and if I saw someone who I wanted to be mentored by, I would literally actually take them for lunch or dinner just to get a few minutes of their time mm-hmm. because now i'm at, i'm giving them what's in it for them you know what you know successful, i know you're successful I know you have a busy day, but i'm sure you got to eat would you mind if i take a couple minutes out of your day taking the dinner only just so i can take your brain for a couple of minutes and people respect that because now you're not just trying to get complete information and stealing their time away from your companies That they're running their family, their colleagues, their friends, they could be doing anything. Yep. So I tell everybody how I first met Jay, I invested for a, a private coaching call with him. It cost me $1,500 to be on the phone with like, him. Mm-hmm. And back then, people would thought it was crazy, but it was the best $1,500 investment I made. And yeah. I wanted him to that I was serious. And so I think that having a good tourism. You know, I'm not saying people have to go that extreme, but you know, invite someone to lunch or dinner, it is very surprised the that they accept your invitation and take their brain. So, I would advise to give that one piece of advice, educate yourself, get around mentors, and, and, and listen and just go out there and do it. You know, I see a lot of people want to go into goodness, but they always talk fake <laughs> Oh, well, I'll wait to wait till Tuesday to start. I'll wait to I was walking in the bed Don't I, was bed. <laughs> like, uh, I do You know what I'm saying yep. That's you know, I would say
0: Probably the three pieces that I would you know, uh, Let everyone know Yeah I think that's really cool um, One of the things That you said About the Jay Morrison Academy You didn't say it so much As you said that You guys He pushes a solution So it's like He already has the solutions To the problems That most people Are going to come up with and that's one thing he always says is like there's no problems just a lack of solutions and so the distance factor that most people might run into he already knows it's going to ha- ha- happen and so he already has a solution ready made for anybody who enrolls in his academy i think the same thing can be said about you you've seen so many different credit scenarios that you know how to attack whatever comes up nothing is new and that's one thing i always tell people to work with advisors work with people who specialize in that area because they don't just see your account you just see your account but they see your account they see john's account they see james's account and they've seen what works and they've seen what doesn't work so it's less speculation and more strategy i think that's really cool Absolutely, so um i have a few few more questions and then um, i'll let you i'll let you go what advice do you have for people that are looking to get started repairing their credit oh uh, the very first
1: thing i would say is don't pull your credit report Uh, the number one thing I think a lot of people get scared or they get in denial, and you know, I always joke when you say, you know, I speak with, you know, people who come from the streets, and I'm like, you would rather transport this brick across the city, but you're more scared to pull your credit. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So he's just like, you just have to go and pull your credit. So that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, is understanding that it's not about the score. And what I mean by that is, so take someone who. You know, Eighteen years old, fresh out of high school. They have one credit card. They pay their bills on time. They have a low balance. They'll have a seven fifty credit. Now, doesn't it mean they go and buy a quarter million dollar home or get a you know, you know, you know luxury vehicle or get high when the credit card. No, so it doesn't. Now take that same person, the same scenario, but they have a three hundred dollar credit card. They get a thirty days late and they match their card. They will have a four hundred credit score. I mean, that credit is wrong. Absolutely not. It's just based off of that one particular item it's causing their score to be what it is based off the component of the social credit score. So educating themselves more about credit will kind of help them overcome those issues because a lot of times when I sit down with people, they're just like, oh man, they think they're, they're repairing their credit as impossible." And it's really not. The beauty about credit is it can always be repaired no matter how damaged it is. So I think just people knowing that half the battle has been, has been completed because they think it's the end of the world just based off of that three-dimensional number. Hmm. Uh, another thing: <laughs> late payments are a acute appeal to credit report. So if you can, put on your monthly bills or auto pay because life happens. On vacation, you got a wedding, the kids get sick first day of school. I come like here in Las Vegas for the kids, and the last thing you want to do is you get a $15 payment that's late on a credit card, and the score drops 60 to 100 points. So, having your bill set up on all the pay, you know, identifies those type of mistakes, but then also, too, still being mindful and checking it because if you, your credit card expires, you think it's getting paid. So, you know, we just like to become you know, monitor our credits Kind of like you know, we are monitoring for when the next episode of power comes out. We <laughs> have to be mindful of our of our scenario. Be responsible. I don't. Uh, another thing, uh, paying your collection account small doesn't mean your credit score is going to increase. Mm. A lot of people think, hey, I'll just go pay my collection. score. that's not the case. Paying your collection, if you don't know what you're doing, can drop your credit score because just because you paid it. One, you're not going to move it unless you request a deletion letter. And to request that deletion letter, you uh, have to pay the debt in full. Understand, collection agents, they're just trying to get a commission. You, get, you may owe 500, and they offer you 250, because they're hey, two fifty dollars But when they offer you a settlement, it you brings your leverage to ask for a deletion letter.
2: Mm.
1: So, you know, so definitely want to be a little more educated. I actually talk about a lot of these principles of my called credit. So, uh, so yeah. So that's probably what I would say to someone. It's hard to get into rebuilding your credit and they know something. and know to start. Yeah. Who want to pull the credit to Kind of educate myself. Really, what does help your credit? What doesn't benefit you? Oh, one last thing too. Buying a car does not help you build your credit. Mm. That's probably like the number one thing i would hear people say. No, <laughs> you buy a car. So <laughs> it, doesn't it does nothing for you.
0: That's funny. It's kind of like they're tricking themselves. Like they want the car because they want the car, and they just make it seem they like want it's. The car. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, last two questions. What's your favorite book? Cool.
1: The book I'm reading right now that is my favorite is "The Power of Being Broke" by Dan John mm-hmm. from Shark Tank, uh, one of the founding CEO members of Google. Thirty-one who um, follows him. The uh, reason his book is so instrumental a lot of like it is it talks a lot about as an entrepreneur what somewhat going into the mindset secondly uh you know a lot of the principles that we talked about on this call but more importantly the piece about credit because a lot of times people think that credit is like i say just for the basics of life but credit can really be a tool of leverage i've actually helped a client recently by the name of corday out of milwaukee well he lives in la right now he's from milwaukee hometown he was able to leave his job because I showed him the power of how leveraging credit can really benefit you. How he was able to do that, he leveraged his credit over the course of two years to help him build. And he now has a real estate portfolio of over $800,000. So on paper, he's almost a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And based off of his monthly residual that he makes off of his portfolio, he was able to leave his job where he was making over $186,000 a year again offer this little thing called credit because i helped him open up his mind so so a lot of those principles that i talked about I actually in the book and the book just came out by Damon name and he talked about how these uber successful business entrepreneurs everyone from Steve they to you know course of course himself and he talked about how his mother leveraged her credit to be able to give him his first thing when he start google you know, so it really just further confirms that what, you know, I'm doing, what we're doing with the academy, what I'm doing with my partner, Jeff Morgan and my other partner, my own private company, Paul Thornton, what we're doing is a great thing, because we're giving people options, because again, you know, the number one reason or issue with the business is the lack of capital, we're giving them an option that, of thinking outside the box to put them themselves in a position of law to make some moves.
0: Very cool. Yeah, it's one of the books I've seen. I haven't picked it up yet, but I definitely will be reading that one next. Last question is, what does wealth mean to you? Wealth is
1: something that you can pass on generation to generation. Like this. Wealth, also, it's not even necessarily monetary. Mm -hmm. I mean, wealth can be being able to Make money doing what you love. You know, I don't think you tell people I'm retired. People say, Well, no, are no, Dirk is high retired. Because I just to do what I want to do, help people across the country and i make money from it. Mm-hmm. That's retired to me. Yep. I'm not punching somebody on the clock. You know, no is you know, as they say in the good book, leaving an inheritance for my children's children. Mm-hmm. You know. I think a lot of times in our community that yeah, we don't understand the true power of wealth. Now going back to what I said wealth is about monetary. Did you know the top two ways wealth has passed down from generation to generation is real estate and life insurance. we're mm-hmm. we're one of the two or those the two must understand. Yeah. Economy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So so yeah, so I think once we educate ourselves and understand you know, the power of you know, how to build you know, how to acquire it and then understand it's not about us it's
0: we leave our children's children mm-hmm. that's true yeah. Yeah. awesome awesome very cool so I want to pre- I thank you for making it on to this interview where can everybody find out more information about everything that you have going on including your book absolutely
1: so my book credit is king which is actually uh, in a running sport, you know top seller right now so I'm extremely excited about that But uh, they can actually go to amazon.com and just type in the title. Credit is King, and uh, be able to get a copy of the book. If they want a personal autograph copy, they can go to creditisking.biz. That's creditisking.biz. And if you place your order there, you you know, actually see an autograph copy. Uh, You can also find me on Instagram, which is probably one of the most active, and that's Mister Period Entrepreneur Period. Again on Instagram that's Mr. Period Entrepreneur period, period Will. My uh, first page got hacked, so that's why I had to come up with that title. And then on Facebook, i uh, Will Mr. Hyphen Entrepreneur so Will Mr. Hyphen Entrepreneur. And then uh, my website is uh, www.wbmanagementagency.com. Again, WB Management imc.com which is our website and then they can also catch me right now i'm on a 25 city tour with my family and my partners at the jay morrison academy is now where i'm a credit mastery instructor and uh, for any information on the credit mastery or any of our courses at the jay morrison academy they can go to jaymorrisonacademy.com and know, uh, this coming up tuesday i'll actually be in cleveland ohio where i will we'll be on our buyback back the block tour that will on Tuesdays.
0: <laughs> and then on Wednesday, I'll be doing the credit to cash. Today. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you again for making it onto the show. If anybody is interested in joining either of our clubs, you can give us a, a ring over at info at capitaltod.com Or you can find us on the website, which is capitalTod.com. This has been another episode of the Millionaire Podcast, episode 29. My name is Todd Millionaire, also known as Charles Oglesby, signing off.